Hello and welcome to Casting Nets, a podcast of Emanuel Lutheran Church in Shirley, St. John's and Maribel. This is, uh, we're doing two birds with one stone. We're doing something for Emanuel Lutheran Church in Shirley. We are also doing something for the Casting Nets podcast. This last Sunday at Emanuel Lutheran, we had Pastor Jeff Samuelson come to us. Welcome, Jeff. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. And supposedly, oh, I'm going to try, there we go. Now we're in a split screen. Uh, it looks worse now. <laughs> so we are also broadcasting live on different platforms. So if you have any chats or questions for Pastor Samuelson about Christian life issues, about what does Christian life resources do, uh, please ask the way on the bottom of your screen. Um, there is the website that he is. Um, you can find some resources. You can contact him as well and to find his podcast as well. Um just to start us off, uh, Jeff, you can call me Dave, that's okay. Um, tell us about yourself and where you have s served. All right, well, I am uh, Jeff Samuelson. I am the Director of Ministry Advancement for Christian Life Resources. I've been in that position for uh, almost two years now, starting in uh, April of 21. Um, prior to that, I served almost 21 years in uh, at Christ Lutheran Church in, in Pikesville, Maryland, now as a, as a pastor there, um, and that was my first assignment out of uh, out of seminary. I graduated from the seminary in 2000. Um, I am a second career pastor. Um, my first career was with the U.S. Foreign Service. I uh, did uh, five years at the Department of State and uh, two years at the U.S. Embassy in Singapore and two years at the U.S. Embassy in Canada for the past 11 years. I'm originally from uh, Libertyville, Illinois, which is the far north suburbs of Chicago, and uh, got my first degree uh, in political science from uh, Washington University in St. Louis, and then I did the seminary certification program. I was one of the lucky ones who got to spend one year at Northwestern College and then one year at Martin Luther College before going to uh, seminary for just a typical four-year program. Sure, and it mentions in your bio that your dad was also influential in Christian Life Resources. Tell us about that. Yeah, um, the the original. Well, I'll, I'll go back a little bit further than that just to give give some context. Um, most people probably are aware uh, that in 1973, the Supreme Court uh, ruled in the Roe v. Wade case. And that uh, legalized abortion throughout the United States, and effectively, very quickly with his companion case, Doe v. Bolton, um, all through all nine months of pregnancy. Um, what a lot of people today don't realize is that at the time, what caught most, you know, conservative Christians in the United States off guard, uh, to the extent that any church was paying attention to abortion, it was generally speaking just the Roman Catholic Church, and that therefore a lot of Protestants weren't paying a whole lot of attention. And so it took a while for people to, in various churches to start saying, hey, wait a second, this, this is a really bad thing. Uh, we've got all these children being killed, and um, we're not doing anything about it, and it doesn't look like it's going away. We need to act. So it took a while, took a few years, and toward the end of the 70s, um, some people at, um, as it turns out, my home congregation, uh, decided, well, we're going to do something, and they found a model that uh, would really work uh, for uh, 
for getting us started. It, it was a uh, pregnancy counseling center, as they called it at the time. And uh, my dad was one of the people at, at my home congregation who worked there. He, he wasn't the primary or the head of the ministry or my dad. Um, but uh, they all worked together. And my, I know my mom was behind the scenes through things as well. And um, in 1980, uh, we wrote the first uh, of these pregnancy counseling centers. Uh, the model worked, worked well, and uh, it wasn't long after that there were people throughout the synod saying, hey, we want to do something too, let's do that. And it was then um, that uh, it took only three years before the various centers throughout the, the synod said, hey, why, why don't we join together? And uh, they took the name Wells Lutheran for Life when they did that. And uh, then in 1999, the organization changed its name from Wells Lutheran for Life, Wells Lutheran for Life to Christian Jesus Lutheran Center. So there you go. Thank you. Uh, I, it was always neat to see the history of where somebody comes from, why do they do what they do. Um, we're very thankful that you came and preached for us last Sunday, talking about knowing where you stand um, from Mark. It was I thought it was uh, unique in, or it helped us to understand the life issue from a different perspective where Jesus is for life and protecting this man and it's about uh, his and it always comes from God's position of grace how he God is a giver he wants to give life and uh, to also to know he, he posits those questions what is good what is evil and where do you stand on this he's encouraging that so we I did appreciate uh, hearing your the sermon today. So we're going to talk more about Christian Life Resources and your role there. But before a we do that, a short disclaimer that we usually do for Casting Nets is that this is just an opinion of two pastors who, who are talking. We're very passionate about this subject of life, um, but not everything we say is the position of our church body. We hold ourselves to the Lutheran Confessions, but you are engaging in a conversation between two pastors as we talk about uh, life and real life and living faith, and especially the, the issue of abortion. We encourage you to reach out to us, um, and this is the beginning of a conversation. We hope that you will continue this conversation. You can email um, me at castingnetspod at gmail.com, and you can go to Christian Life Resources and contact Pastor Samuelson as well. And uh, please, uh, if you like what you hear, feel free to share. Give us four stars. Don't give us five stars, otherwise my head will get too big and it will explode. So <laughs> give me four stars, or, or and, and that, that would be much appreciated so that the algorithms that uh, point that point content to the individuals could point this content to them as well. Is it possible for them to raise me differently than me? We can't have a podcast without a couple of dad jokes, so we didn't have any dad jokes to begin. I have a da bad joke, a dad, a bad joke. There's a, a little slip there. I have a dad joke about a broken clock, but it's not the right time. <laughs> or <laughs> maybe I just should do the crickets just based on your reaction. <laughs> um, so uh, p please tell us more about your role as the Director of Mission Advancement at Christian Life Resources. Yeah, um, there's really not uh, an 
easy definition for for my position. It's one of those things that uh, they, they needed a name for my position, and Director of Ministry Advancement was, was what they put on it. Uh, a lot of people hear it, and they think, oh, well, you must be the, uh, the funding guy. They want, want to look, go out looking for people. And they think, well, that's not actually at all what I do. Uh, we have somebody else on staff at CLR, uh, Brittany Young, who's uh, in charge of that aspect of things. Most of what I do really is just trying to get out uh, and around to uh, the various congregations, schools, um, organizations, the people uh, of the, the wells in the ELS, and uh, uh, talk about life issues and uh, talk about uh, Christian life resources. Um, I, most of what I do, uh, except the most visible thing that I do, is what I was doing at your congregation uh, this past Sunday, which is going to congregations. Uh, I'll preach for the service and uh, usually do a Bible class or do something for the service there. Uh, sometimes do more than that. Um, sometimes the congregation will have me in and do a, uh, a two or three hour presentation on uh, a topic or, or something like that. But um, that's, that's the most visible part of what I do. I'm trying to advance the ministry uh, by getting out and around. Uh, but back, uh, you know, when, when I'm back home, back in the office, um, writing. I also uh, am kind of the point man at this point for uh, dealing with our various affiliates at the pregnancy center. They have a network of those. Um, and I've, uh, I'm one of the three people who works on our podcast called Life Challenges. So Life Challenges, what is the format for that uh, podcast? How do, you, how do you guys work that out? And what are your, some of the things you talk about? Yeah, um, we have, uh, there's three of us, as I said. There's me, there's uh, Pastor Bob Fleischman, who is uh, our director of Christian Life Resources. And we have a uh, volunteer, Mrs. Uh, Krista Kotratz, uh, who is kind of our moderator and co-host and producer and the one who makes sure everything actually happens. She does what she's doing. She tries to keep us in line because we're pastors and we like to talk. Um, but... Uh, if anyone listening right now is probably saying, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> but It is a blessing um, and a curse to hear pastors yeah. talk. So, um, yeah, we, we aim for 30, maybe 40 minutes a week. Uh, episodes come out on, on Tuesdays. And we, um, uh, when we were originally playing around with the concept, we, we had the idea that, well, we're going to, each week we're going to do a book review. Each week we're going to do some items from the news. Eventually we realized that uh, it really just made sense to have a conversation about whatever the topic was of, of the week. And uh, we wanted to be sure from the beginning that we talked about all sorts of life and family issues and not just hitting, you know, keep hitting the same notes on, on abortion or, or whatever it is. Um, and so we've really hit a wide range. We are up to uh, 76 or s uh, episodes now, although it may be a little more than that because I think there were some bonus episodes. <laughs> what was your um, go ahead? What was your favorite um, episode that you've done so far, or one that you thought was surprising that it had a lot a lot of downloads? Um, yeah, I, I it would be hard to hard for me to point to a favorite. I'd say my my least favorite was. Uh, one or two that we recorded at the end of December because I didn't realize it at the time, but I was coming down with a bug, and uh, I, I I really couldn't participate. <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah. kind of awkward. Um, but um, 
the most popular down uh, or most downloaded episode that we had or really uh, moving episode that we had uh, we had uh, a guest on that one and that was uh, Patrick Kurt Evers who does uh, Price the Wine uh, yeah. podcast and uh, he told the you know the subject was was grief but he was telling that from his own personal perspective as a father of one with a son of two at the time and uh, that was um, it con- continues to be one of our more downloaded uh, episodes, um, and it was it was it was powerful. Yeah, it is a very um, very real topic, especially with our veterans coming home and with struggling with uh, readjusting to life, and also with our uh, isolation that we've experienced in the last couple of years, where individuals are don't have some of their outlets, and so now they're they're even more isolated. Yeah, this is a very timely topic. I think definitely. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. And uh, we had um, last summer uh, for, you know, June is what they call LGBTQ Pride Month. We decided that uh, that we would, um, you know, dedicate our episodes that month to the various issues that surround that. And so we did, uh, what were they, four or five issues on, you know, some something in the range. And one of those episodes um, were was in our top five of you know downloaded episodes so far, uh, but uh, we've you know it's the kind of thing that you get lots of questions about and people are interested in that. So we did that. We also did a long series of our of, of podcasts on uh, church and state and Christian and citizen issues, which uh, um, you know I think wha- I think one or two people might have th- thought we w- we went too far on that, went too long on that, but. Uh, it is again. That's one of the topics that people are always coming back to. And you know, what about this? You know, is this okay? You know, is that going too far? And, and things like that. So, sure. Uh, so our listeners can find that it's called Life Challenges Podcast. It's under the resources. If you go to the webpage, uh, Christian Life Resources, and go under resources, it's under Life Challenges Podcast. Is that right? Is there another keyword that you w- that you might suggest they could use when they're um, in their podcasting f- format? Yeah. Yeah. It. it, it I think we had to call it the life challenges podcast because of other names that were out there or something like that but it's i i would hope that by now anyone who searches for life challenges as a podcast is going to get us first because we we've we've gone over ten thousand episodes or sorry downloads as of the end of uh, 2022 uh so we we're, we're definitely past the other one that had a similar name but <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, as you're looking at ahead to 2023 and uh, the work that the Christian Life Resources is doing, what do you feel is their their number one issue that they're tackling this year? That's it's hard to say. Um, a year ago, I, I might not have thought this. I think uh, right now that uh, abortion-related issues are going to be a, a lot of it because it's very much in the news and it's very much in front in, in people's faces you know certainly here in, in the state of Wisconsin uh, with some recent elections and things like that uh, campaign ads have been talking about you know uh, pro-life pro-abortion you know very much and that's going to continue for a while and other states have have similar things happening maybe on different schedules but uh, that is that is a big one um, I will say also that Something that we get a lot of questions about uh, is uh, uh, transgender uh, 
issues and things like that, that uh, people uh, are struggling a little bit. They're, they're, and the church has pretty much been flailing on this because it, it really took people by surprise during this time. Um, it, it happened so quickly that it, it went from just being, okay, well, uh, I believe there's gay marriage thing now that, you know, okay. And then it's just like, boom, uh, in people's faces that this whole other issue was there. And uh, a lot of people are just like, I, I don't understand what just happened. And now it's in my school. It's in my community. In some cases, it's in my family. Um, and so that's that's the kind of thing that lots of people are, are, are talking about. So that's what we're talking about. We want to want to be helpful with that, with uh, advice where we can give it, information where we can provide it, um, and uh, just, you know, some kind of guidance to, and sometimes the most that we can offer, uh, which what's really most helpful is just the, the comfort and the confidence of knowing, okay, this position that I have, it is the scriptural one, you know, this, this is the way a Christian is, is supposed to uh, support the, uh, approach this, and, and I'm not alone. Yeah, I remember when I was uh, serving out in eastern Montana, you would think, you know, it's uh, more, I don't know, conservative. Like this, these issues wouldn't be more politically conservative, I should say. These issues wouldn't be a, 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 a in the forefront of our people's minds. And this was like 10, 12 years ago. And we had one of my members came to me and said, yeah, my nephew thought that they were born with both. I forget what the term was, where you have both the body parts, like both sides. So mm -hmm. now, what do you say about that, Pastor? And so, uh, in Christian Life Resources, I, I think I looked at your webpage for that, for information about that and getting you started on how to address uh, someone who is actually born, not someone who thinks they're a different gender, but actually was yeah. born with both of those parts. Yeah, and that that is the kind of thing that, w that we want to be, be there to, to help people with. Uh, because it is an important distinction. People who are biologically intersex, um, you know, who have some outward uh, characteristics of, of both, you know, male and female, you know, dealing with people like that is a much, uh, the questions there are much different from those that are just somebody who's, you know, 14 years old and suddenly decides, no, no, I don't think that I'm a boy. I think I'm a girl or, or vice versa. Um, very different issues, different, uh, and, and therefore, as Christians, we, we have to respond to it in ways. So could you, I, I know I brought just brought it up, so now I have to, we have to finish it. Uh, so how <laughs> would you address someone who says, hey, my child was born inter with an intersex, I don't, is that the term? I, I thought yeah. it was some hyper something, whatever, but. Uh, well, there's, 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 there are a number of different terms that are used, and there is, there is something of a spectrum of conditions, you know, with this. Um, ha having a biologically intersex is, I think, the way that they're kind of coming down now is this is going to be the way to refer to it. But uh, th we used to use the term there, uh, sometimes transsexual. Okay. Um, and uh, that that was supposed to be reserved for the ones where it was actual, you know, there was something physically, uh, biologically in that case, as opposed to somebody who was just trying to, you know, act or dress or, you know, as the opposite sex, uh, sex. So if someone is born with an in intersex, is that is that usually where it's predominantly one gender or the other, or is it truly right down the middle? Um, it's really hard to say, and it's going to vary a lot, and that's that's why there's there's a lot of trouble with it. The um, 
sometimes, yes, it is, is very obvious, uh, okay, this, this child is 80% male and 20% female just in terms of the, the prevailing characteristics. Um, and part of the difficulty, of course, is the things that you would look at to determine this are things that are not usually exposed. You know, you, mm -hmm. you, you meet somebody, you're not going to be able to tell. Um, so r what it gets down to then is, uh, you know, as quickly as, as the child grows, is what's going on in the home. Um, you know, are they, you know, developing as a male or developing more as a female? And that's not always something that can be predicted when you've got an infant in your arms and your doctors are saying, you've got to try to decide right now how are you going to raise this thing? You know, raise it to be a male or raise it to be a female? Um, and those are not easy questions. And as Christians, we have to recognize that when that happens, it's, it's not something where we can just say, well, follow biology. Because that doesn't actually answer the question for us. Um, and, uh, you know, it, sometimes people get it wrong um, in the sense that, you know, they choose something when the child's an infant, and by the time the child reaches puberty, the child really is thinking, no, I, I should be more the other. Um, and then there are big questions about what to do about that. Yeah, sin is nasty, isn't it? It's taking something that God has designed to be so simple and straightforward and has now corrupted it. Uh, if we're born with a propensity for one addiction or another, here we are born with even uh, um, the, uh, the body that God has created us, uh, that God has created is now twisted as well. That it's, it's mm -hmm. now become a struggle for individuals on, one's on either side of, of uh, what, what their parents raised them as biologically and then also what they're struggling with internally with their home hormones. And, and part of the thing that makes it so difficult and complicated is that it's dealing with sex, which is a big part of a person's identity. Um, you know, there are plenty of other genetic conditions or genetic predispositions that a person could be born with that might not be visible or else would, would be very visible. You know, um, I, I once worked with a girl who was born without a hand. You know, she had the rest of her arm, but no hand. Um, that was just something she learned to deal with, and she had had to deal with it. But it wouldn't really go that much toward, you know, her sense of self. You know, it would be something she had to, you know, had to deal with. Um, and also, you know, people might sometimes, when they meet her, be a little taken aback. But, you know, if you're a decent-minded person, you know, you're just going to address, oh, I probably shouldn't have paid too much, you know, paid too much attention to that. I, I should be, you know, considerate about this. Um, but when you as an individual meet somebody with one of these conditions or find out about it, uh, again, because you're, you're, you've got these filters that you use in your daily life of, okay, people who are this look like that, it, it can mess with your, the, the normal way you interact with people and uh, how you identify them. And, and again, that it becomes difficult you know, on both sides and it's one of those things, again, Christians, we just need to think more uh, about a lot of these things uh, rather than just react. That is an excellent point because um, it helps us to be more compassionate towards individuals who are struggling with these things so we don't just uh, say, well, it should be such a simple thing like bi biology. Whatever you're born with is the, recogni the recognition of uh, this is a soul that is struggling in a body that is 
uh, um, tainted with sin. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that, that's like in many respects, that's really what we as an organization want to emphasize when we're we're talking to to Christians about whatever the issue might be is is to remember that we love because God loved us first. That our goal, when whether we're talking about abortion or euthanasia or homosexuality or or whatever it is, our our goal is is not to win points in an argument. You know, we we want to communicate soul to soul. We want to love people the same way that that Christ loved them. And most of all, we want them to know Christ's love. And uh, if we're dealing with people in a way that's just such a wall between us, um, that's that's no help. Uh, we want to be able to talk about these things, react to these things in such a way that there's still an opportunity at the end of the day uh, to to say, hey, you know, I, I know this is difficult, but but let me tell you about my Jesus. All right, and you know, if, if there's there's this thing that I know you're feeling bad about, well, you know, there's forgiveness. You know, and let me tell you about that. And that's that's really what we want, and that means that, that we have to deal with people with compassion. Now, certainly, when we look at the Gospels, and the, and, and there's plenty of examples of, of Jesus speaking harshly to people, but it was never the people who had problems that he was speaking harshly to. It was the people who refused to recognize that they had problems, the, the Pharisees and such. Yeah, I I uh, on Twitter I am watching I am followed this group called Libs of TikTok, where it is showing videos of individuals who are, tr- uh, you know, transgender, LBQ, or however the acron- how many syllables you want to put on the <laughs> end of that. But it is still, some of those are not people who are struggling, but are just very much in your face. And for Christians to think that's every individual that I have faced that looks different or is playing around with two genders, you look at them and you say they have a beard and, and then they're wearing, you know, um, a necklace or something, or they're wearing lipstick and mixing their genders in how they appear, that you think that mm-hmm. all of them that you see are like that video that you watch mm-hmm. of someone who's very strong about their opinions. Mm-hmm. They, they may actually be someone who is internally struggling with who are they. And like you, yeah. I, I like how you said, let's remind them who they are in Christ, and let's st- have the conversation start there rather than um, very ab- abrasive like you were saying. And so many things, if you just think about that uh, yourself, that if if you get into a conversation and somebody's trying to convince you that you're wrong, and that's all that you know they, they start with is just you're wrong and here's why, you're not going to listen much to what they have to say after that. You know, your defenses go up. You know, and, and yet we seem to think that when we have discussions about super important things with other people that sometimes we have to, you know, to start swinging help them understand exactly how wrong they are and how right we are, and that's why they should listen. Well, human nature, generally speaking, doesn't respond well to that. Now, certainly there are going to be some instances where it's not not going to be that way, but those are few and far between. Yeah, and a lot lot fewer than what we like, because it's it's much easier to be like the pundit of (laughs) and blast than to uh, mm-hmm. to be someone who is filled with compassion and say, "How can I help you? What what situations going on in your life that I can that I can uh, connect with you in some way?" And then let's bring that to Jesus. 
Um, here in Wisconsin, we have a uh, Supreme Court election that's coming up. We had the primary recently, and uh, but there is a Supreme Court election coming up. What? Why is that enough? That why is that upcoming election an important one for pro-life voters? Well, after the Dobbs decision by the Supreme Court last summer, which um, undid the Roe v. Wade uh, decision. Um, Abortion regulation or the decision not to regulate abortion, uh, it all went back to the individual state. And uh, in some states that meant that um, there was uh, almost a complete ban on abortion or at least you know some heavy restrictions on it. But in other states, it just meant that um, they were happy with abortion and they were going to allow it. And in some cases, they're, they're going to go even further than the Roe decision has gone. Mm-hmm. Um, Wisconsin has a law on the books from the 19th century that basically bans abortion. And after the Dobbs decision, that was the thing that, you know, it was bounced back to, so to speak, that 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 was the law of the land in in the state of Wisconsin. Well, the reason this is mattering for the Supreme Court is that legal challenges have been filed and probably even more will be filed that are basically saying we can't have the... We can't say that that law still applies because Roe v. Wade changed everything. The law of the land was accepting of abortion, so that's actually what the default position in Wisconsin ought to be. And uh, at least one of the, well, yeah, the one of the more liberal-minded candidate uh, who is going to be on the uh, ballot in uh, April. Um, almost came right out and said, I am pro-abortion and I will make sure that um, you know, any decision that comes before us at the Supreme Court is goes that way. And um, there, the balance on the Wisconsin Supreme Court is narrow, and if um, the uh, liberal-leaning progressive gets elected, uh, then that's probably the direction the court is going to go. If the more conservative pro-life guy gets elected, then hopefully that uh, that can be held up. Thank you, because I think uh, a lot of our people, if it's not on their radar, if it's not talked about in their churches, would be like, why would I want to be voting for a Supreme Court justice? Isn't this a, a, a governor issue or isn't this a legislature issue? So it's good for our people to know here in Wisconsin that this is an issue that is going to, like, uh, if I understand you correctly, it's going to be resolved in the states, in the court system. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think most of us would say it shouldn't be an issue that's getting resolved in the courts, uh, but unfortunately the way our system has devolved over the years, that's that's likely where the decision is going to be made. And, um, you know, there's, it's tricky because these elections, you know, we just had the primary um, the other week, and there were hardly any offices, you know, to vote for there, so it's very easy for people to say, "Yeah, I'm not going to vote. I'll, I'll I'll save it for the, you know, the, the the big November election. That's that's the one that I'll I'll participate in. But these things, no, who cares about these these things? And um, the uh, April ballot is probably going to be very similar. Busy people saying, "Ah, I don't think I'm going to bother with that." Well, the problem with that is, the people who are really really motivated 
to go to the polls are generally speaking the ones who want things that we don't have and um, you know you could probably come up with some conspiracy theories about why these elections are scheduled when they are are and as they are Uh, but um, you know it's just something to remember that you know if if it is an important issue go and vote Uh, don't count on somebody else uh, to uh, to do it because the people who are are uh, opposed to what we're opposed to are probably more motivated than, than you are. Yeah, it, it, uh, it does seem to go, like voters seem to go in cycles, don't they? It doesn't matter which side of the political aisle you are. Sometimes they, they, they vote their guy in, and then the next election they, they said, well, he's doing a, or he or she is doing a good job, so we don't need to, to vote again, and then ebbs and flows like that. So it's good for our people to know about this in April, you said, right, for the Supreme yeah. Court? Yeah. Um, so, as we're talking about Roe v. Wade being reversed, has the number of abortions since Roe v. Wade was reversed, has that gone down? Is there any way that we can tell how many abortions have happened? Is that the normal number? or I am not aware that there have been good figures yet, because, of course, that, that came down just um, June of last year, so that would only be half a year uh, of statistics. And in some states, it still took a while for everything to kick in. Um, my uh, gut level is that, yes, there have been fewer abortions uh, total uh, as a result of that. And we rejoice uh, to know that. Um, but it has not been the huge drop that we would want it to be. Uh, part of that being because there are a lot of lots of states that have no restriction on abortion. Business as usual for the abortionist. Um, part of it is because some of the states that do have restrictions, uh, they're not total restrictions. I mean, it's like a 15-week ban, so anybody could still get an abortion before the 15 weeks, or or, or something like that. And there are a few states where various court cases and things like that have virtually frozen the restrictions, so it's just business as usual until that gets resolved. Um, this kind of I- il- illustrates the, the state of Texas uh, back in, um, when was that, uh, summer, maybe it was September of 2021, they passed a rather unique, clever law uh, restricting abortion. Uh, I won't go into the details of what made it clever, but basically it, it, it worked in that it effectively banned abortions on the point of uh, heartbeat. In, in an un- unborn child. So it was about six-week uh, abortion ban. And um, there was, you know, the statewide statistics for that were, were pretty incredible because suddenly no one in the state was getting an abortion. And uh, it, was, it was good. But it also illustrated for us that it's very much a state-by-state thing. And then it also starts to matter what state are you located close to. Because if you're in, say, Dallas, Texas, uh, and you would have considered an abortion, but now you can't get one, you may not have the resources or the, de- the desire to travel the hundreds of miles it would take you to get to a state where you could get an abortion. Uh, but if, you know, say, you know, I'm here in, in southeast, uh, southeastern uh, Wisconsin now, somebody in the Milwaukee area who says, you know, I'd really like to get an abortion, but I can't now, they can drive just a, an hour or so south into state of Illinois and they can get one there, which makes it really hard to determine what's actually happening with the, the abortion figures. And the real 
big complication to all this is the increase in chemical abuse. Uh, basically, you know, you get some drugs and uh, you take them. You know, it's a sequencer drug, and um, it it basically you know aborts your child chemically. And um, why that complicates the numbers is because it's very hard to track that because it's not happening in the clinic where they report things. And um, it's you know they they are actively on the more pro-abortion side. They are actively trying to uh, find ways for this to be dispensed almost anonymously through the internet and you know through the mail and things like that, uh, so that even in the states that have restrictions on abortion, uh, women are probably still having chemical abortions. Um, you know, there's it's it, uh, it's just not being regulated or reported in any way. And back in 2019, there was a movie called Unplanned. Is th was that uh, did she have a chemical abortion on there? Because I remember there was one uh, controversial scene where she was bleeding out. Is that? I believe that I believe that did include one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that would, and thank you for that because that's not something because because <laughs> I I'm really thankful that you're here and thankful I hopefully that my members also uh, listen to this because uh, this is uh, sometimes people think well I vote pro life and then now my advocacy is over. You know, that, that's, uh, that's where it ends, where the, the movie Unplanned really opened my eyes to say, what am I actually, I say I'm pro-life as a pastor, how am I showing compassion to people, or how am I helping individuals who are thinking about having an abortion? I'm just sitting here thinking that my pro-life activity or advocacy is just in the voting booth, and that's it. Uh, it's a reminder to us, uh, the movie was a reminder, and also your sermon last Sunday reminded us that our our advocacy for, for life isn't just a November thing. It's an April thing. It's an everyday thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there's so many ways in the that, that we don't really appreciate that we can be pro-life and get that pro-life message out there that um, just don't really cost a whole lot, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, what it's you know going to take away from your reputation or your opportunities or things like that. You know, that that many of us don't even you know do that for things where we you know are, are very af affirming of somebody who's getting pregnant. Um, you know, just just think about the situation that you know maybe somebody uh, in your neighborhood, somebody in your extended family, a uh, young woman gets pregnant outside of marriage. Okay. You know, our first reaction as Christians might very well be, <gasps> that was awful. Shouldn't do that. Should have waited until you got married. Yeah. We're so focused on the sin involved, and I'm not not saying there's not sin involved, but being so focused on that that we end up, you know, not doing anything to affirm the beautiful gift of life that came as a result of this. Um, and um, you know, there's all sorts of horrible stories of Christian parents who consider themselves pro-life, and their teenage daughter gets pregnant, and they just say, "Well, no, we're going to go ahead, and she's going to get an abortion." Because they just can't conceive of, you know, sorry, poor choice of words there. Um, <laughs> yes, they, they it just is. Um, you know, they, they can't think of this, you know, as, as being something that they, that they can handle, you know, that their daughter can handle, that they can ha handle having a daughter who has a baby. And they just, you know, just they, they won't affirm the life message because they're so focused on, on the other, you know, the shame aspect of things. And that's. That, again, that's just something that we, we need to be aware of in our daily life and the way we normally think about things and respond to things. And, um, 
Well, not everybody is, you know, suited for going onto Facebook and posting lots of pro-life memes. Um, you know, it's questionable how effective that's going to be anyway. Um, you know, not everybody is going to be able to, you know, knock on doors or, um, you know, volunteer for some political uh, campaign uh, that involves, you know, pro-life issues or something like that. Um, but there's still an awful lot, you know, in your daily conversations, you know, that if the issue comes up, talk about it. Or for that matter, um, and this, this is one that I, I, I like to emphasize with, uh, you know, when I'm speaking to congregations, that um, you, you need to talk to your kids about these things. And you need, you, you can't just assume that they get the message uh, from, you know, catechism class or Sunday school or listening to the pastor's sermon. Because what's coming at them from their schools, from social media, from TV, from movies or whatever, is far outweighs what they're getting from the church. And so you've got to take these opportunities with, uh, you know, with your kids, with your grandkids, you know. You're, you know, sitting around the table and something comes up on the news about abortion or whatever. That's your opportunity to talk about it. Yeah, not just in anger terms, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is why we as Christians think this is so important. Um, you know, talk about it. It's, uh, this is the, you know, it, it is just so such a shame that there are some people who think that it's okay for babies in the womb, you know, like, like, like Aunt Mary, who's pregnant right now. They think that it's okay to kill the baby in the womb. That's awful, isn't it? You know, and we Christians can't stand that. That's why we're working so hard, you know, to try to convince people to not to do that. You know, talk, have those kinds of conversations uh, with your children and teenagers, too. Um, y you can't just assume that you taught it once and it's going to stick. Um, it's it's got to be something that you, you continue. Um, and I could talk for a long time about that. Yeah, no, I um, in that unplanned movie in 2019, there was you know a family giving up time. They're, they were going to house a lady that was uh, a mom that was pregnant, so they were going to take her into a home. So... This was a, a sacrifice that they made for for life, and you mentioned before about how uh, volunteering for or advocacy for pro-life issues is not something that takes a lot of time. Uh, we have in our area, we have the Bay Area Life Center uh, that where individuals can vo volunteer. Um, the they hand out uh, diapers to moms, so you would say this is uh, a bridge that they could communicate that we think that children are important, we think that they're precious, we would like to help care for them, but then also want that care isn't just about their bodily needs, but their spiritual needs as well. Let us do Bible classes with you, with you, and and uh, and uh, I did that for a time, and and then moved on to other things. But I still, it's still a, a big part of my my heart of helping and putting our shall we say, put our our living out our faith that God has called us to live in the vocations He has put mm -hmm. us in. So here's an opportunity for people in our area to help uh, moms to to be more than just Christians who would say, I am pro-life on November, but pro-life every day, and here's one way that isn't th mm -hmm. that big of a sacrifice. Sometimes the Lord may give you an opportunity in front of your life, in front of you that is going to be one where you are going to be asked to sacrifice, and if the one who calls us to these things is the one who is faithful. There are, there are lots of opportunities to, uh, to to speak up and to help people and to um, you know 
with our uh, pregnancy centers. You mentioned the Bay Area Life Clinic. We've, we've got some elsewhere in the U.S. You know, not everybody is going to be the one who's going to be the front line, but I will tell you that very few of the women who come into our centers are coming in thinking, well, I, I'm, I'm basically decided I'm getting an abortion. It's your job to, you know, talk me out of it. That's not the way it is anymore. Um, uh, they're coming in, generally speaking, they, they know they're coming in safely. Um, our job is to make sure they understand that we'll give you all the support you need so that you never have to turn around and think, well, well maybe I should get rid of it. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're there to support them, to let them know that, hey, you need help, um, we'll give it to you. Because because we're Christians, because we want to share Christ's love with you. And um, you know, if, if you have any problems, if things get to the point where you're thinking that maybe abortion would be a better choice than, than what you're doing, um, talk to us. We'll make sure you don't feel the need for an abortion. All right. Well, we are right at uh, 45 minutes. Uh, our podcasts are usually an hour or under. I know you have lots of things to do. Um, a closing thought uh, that you have for our, our listeners, and then I'll have my closing thought. Um, my closing thought. Um, I find my mind is kind of closed right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <coughs> sorry. Um, just uh, I would just say that the issues that we deal with um, as Christian life resources tend to be hot-button issues uh, in society or hot-button issues in the Christian denomination. Things that are challenging us, right? Or challenges, right? And that's why we call our podcast Life Challenges. And sometimes it's easy to feel very much alone uh, in that. And you're not. Remember, first of all, Christ is here. Uh, you, you belong to Him. He's looking after you. You're part of His family. But you're also part of the church family. And that's some message that we do try to, to emphasize. Um, you know, you're not going through this alone. We'll be there uh, to help with information or, or whatever it else, else it is that, that you might need. Um, but that message which we already talked about, um, re remember compassion. Um, the people, the events, the issues that are a challenge to you, uh, re remember, well, how would Jesus be approaching this uh, if he were here? Um, would he be getting angry? Uh, would he be getting frustrated? Uh, would he be reaching out to friends? Would he be uh, having a, a quiet conversation instead of a, a shouting one. You know, all, all these kinds of things. Um, you just want to stop and think about, okay, how, how, how am I going to be a Christian in the face of these challenges? And um, part of the reason that people are, are, are scrambling or don't know what to do is because we have been spoiled as Christians in our great country of the United States you know, for so long of having most of the culture mostly in line with our Christian values. Um, you know, it wasn't too far out, and then it, it didn't, you know, cause too much trouble. And that's largely being lost, and people are, you know, struggling because, like, well, it used to be a different way, and that was comfortable for me, and now it's not that way, and I'm not comfortable anymore. Um, that is more the norm for Christians throughout all of history than what we experienced, you know, 40, 50 years ago, right? Um, 
and and we should appreciate that and and be ready for the, the, the struggles, the suffering, um, the challenges, and the prayer and the work that's involved. Uh, just recognizing that um, we're, we're we may be on the outside more than the inside these days. Yeah, we are returning to our default position, aren't we? Of the the church being on the outside. And uh, our values are something that are generated within and from the word and sacrament, not from the culture that we're surrounded by. And so it's an encouragement for us to be equipped to face these hot button issues. I know in our area here on March 26th at St. Peter's in Mishicot, there is another Life Center Life uh, Celebration Sunday where Bob, um, Pastor Bob Fleischman will be the presenter there. He's also going to be presenting at the Bible class afterwards. So it's an encouragement for those in the area, Lakeshore area here, if you missed it at Emmanuel, here it's coming up at March 26th as we talk about real life, living faith, and this wonderful gift of life that God gives to us in Christ.